Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Brandy Clements of the uh, Silver River Center for Chair Caning. Had to write it down to make sure that I got it all. Um, but Brandy uh, runs the co-owns and runs the Silver River Center for Chair Caning with her husband. Um, and it was great to get a chance to sit down and talk with her and really actually just give her the opportunity to chair geek out to all of her chair geek glory because I tell you what I learned quite a bit um, about chairs and how they're made and in particular the sheets that uh, the sheets the seats that is what chair caning is all about um, so I really just enjoy kind of diving in and picking her brain and learning more um, about the process and stuff and she is a well of knowledge. Um, so if you are ever in the Silver River area, you should definitely go check out the center because it's also a museum. Um, and if you watch this on YouTube, in fact, if you're listening right now, you can continue to listen. If it's best for you know travel purposes, please do not watch YouTube while driving. I do not endorse that whatsoever. However, if you get a chance to watch this on YouTube, you will be able to see some of the chairs that are in the museum section of the center behind her during the interview. So um, I actually really love when guests do that, put their artwork behind them because it just gives me something to kind of speak directly to watching their, seeing their work. Anyways, um, I think you're going to enjoy learning and and listening to her journey as much as I did in chatting with her. Before we hop into it, though, with Brandy, I want to give a shout out, big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee, uh, Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom, Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee The Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support of the podcast, helping to produce two episodes a week every week. And if you happen to be listening to this and thinking to yourself, hmm, I really enjoy the content that uh, the uh, Katie and Katie now put together for this podcast, and I would love to help support them in continuing to make this work happen, um, you certainly can by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution. Um, and any tier that you pick over there, whether it's the $1 tier or any of the other tier that are available, uh, your name will get added to the list and you'll be thanked at the top of the episode, every episode, every week. So that is an option. I'm going to throw this out there too. I have heard through the grapevine that some people aren't a big fan of Patreon. And if that is the case, uh, and you still want to support the podcast, there's other means of doing that. You can get a Crafting Revolution t-shirt that is hand um, block printed by myself. Um, I will warn you though, I am behind by about 10 orders so far. So your name will just get added to that list. 
or if there's another way that you would like to give when you can on occasion, let me know. Reach out on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution and say, hey, Katie, I want to help support the podcast, but I can't do it in a ongoing monthly basis. Um, let me know and I will research on other ways we can put something up that you can do like, you know, every, whenever you have a couple extra bucks and you want to give to the podcast. So again, just DM me at Crafting a Revolution on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me that I will see. Okay, I rambled a lot. I'm sorry. Let's get into the uh, interview with Brandy Clements of Silver River Center for Chair Caning. Okay, let's get into it. So since you listen, you know that I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah, I'm Brandy Clements, and I am one of the owners of Silver River Center for Chair Caning, kind of a shameless chair nerd, and um, yeah, totally. Um, and and it's that we do we do teaching, we teach all kinds of classes in the shop and offsite at various craft schools. Um, we do online classes and. Uh, we all kinds of styles. We try to make it accessible for everybody to learn. Um, and that's kind of our main goal these days. We started out doing restorations and and it was kind of just a, I just kind of like, it is in my family, but I also just kind of feel like I fell into it. Um, so started out doing restorations at, at home and then started taking over the house. We got a small studio and and it quickly outgrew the, the 500 square foot studio. Um, so now we're in a bigger space, main goal to teach. And we also did this lovely museum. Um, that was another um, a goal to make it accessible for visitors who didn't want to take a class, but to show off the diversity of the craft. Um, so our shop is in the River Arts District. And um, yeah, before the pandemic, we were blowing people's minds whenever they'd walk in. Like I had no idea there were so many types of chairs to, and so many types of woven chairs at that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, our 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 story is still evolving, and um, yeah, we we have a lot of plans. <laughs> <laughs> and the pandemic the pandemic definitely threw a wrench into them, but um, but it also made some good things happen. So yeah, were you doing online before the pandemic? No. Yeah. No. Um, we might have we might have done some quick FaceTime tutorials with people. Mm -hmm. um, we're kind of surprised at our reach. I and mean, chair caning for as ubiquitous as it is, um, there's and there are a lot of people that do it, but there aren't a lot of people that teach it. So a lot of times the online stuff would be a woodworker who was designing something and wanted some assistance with the Danish cord or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we find it surprisingly effective. Most people just want to know they're not royally screwing up. Right. <laughs> and yeah, most people have a pretty good grip on it, but mm -hmm. yeah. So I got to ask, like, before getting into, you know, your, your bigger story, like why chairs? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because that is what we ask people when we take classes or when we teach classes, why chairs, you know, who are you, where are you from? Do you have cats or dogs or kids or whoever you want to give a shout out to and why chairs? Um, so my family, I'm fourth generation chair caner. Um, my great grandmother taught my grandmother, all of my grandmother's generation did it. 
And then my grandmother taught her, well, my grandmother did actually not teach her kids. She died. Um, and my grandfather and my grandmother's brother taught my aunt Linda. And it's kind of a funny story. Uh, it's kind of segueing away from why, why chairs for me, but uh, my aunt Linda, she wanted to learn and they always put her off. And so she was a nurse full time. Um, her uncle lived with her because he was old and sick and on dialysis. And she was taking care of him. And my grandfather was old too. Um, and so she wanted to learn and they wouldn't teach her. So they kept putting her off. So she finally put an ad in the newspaper saying she came and she started getting chairs in and she would just put these broken chairs in her uncle's room until finally he was like, okay, okay, fine. I'll teach you. Um, so I learned when I was 29, I was just kind of, a trying to, trying to find the real job. And, um, it was a side project, a side hustle. It was something to do to make money while I was looking for the real job, trying to find job for my degree, which is in exercise science. Um, so that's why chairs. I, I stumbled into it. It was something my dad suggested I do. Um, I thought it was cool because my aunt, my dad were excited about it and, and it was fun. It was tactile and mm -hmm. you know, preserving a piece of history. Um, but it really wasn't until we started doing chair weaving out in public. Um, at demos, resident artist gig at um, a downtown gallery, and seeing people's reactions to it. Um, even then, it, it still didn't, it's, I still wouldn't have considered myself a shameless chair nerd. It was really when I started researching it on my own, researching the history behind the chairs, the designers, that period of time and what was going on, that really kind of clenched me and I would find myself on a Friday night like researching chairs and chair history and just really you know get a life kind of stuff um but now that's my favorite part is the history the the talking to other chair nerds and and finding out different chairs in different parts of the world and where it came from and where it's going and how it's been modified from you know you know there's a a I have a presentation called a brief history of chair caning, which goes from um, 2600 BC to present day. So it's kind of a, a joke that it's brief, um, <laughs> but there's a, a ninth century Chinese, sorry, 10th century Chinese chair with the yoke back and a central back slat. And, and there's a direct link from that chair to the Hans Wegner Y chair or wishbone chair. Okay. Yeah. And chairs are just cool. That's another thing that surprised me is that there are so many chair nerds out there, even if they don't work on chairs or um, there's a lot of people that collect chairs and just have a garage full of them. Or um, we've met a lot of people that have tiny chairs on a shelf around their kitchen wall. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. I had no uh, idea until I got into it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's like, that's the one thing, like, as a woodworker that <clears throat> I'm fascinated by uh, and terrified by. Yeah. Because uh, I would say it's easy to mess up a chair and it's hard to save a messed up chair. Like, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. We just made chairs for the first time. Um, I've been working with chairs for almost 16 years now. And just this past fall, made a chair at the folk school uh, with Gabe Strand. He's a new woodshop coordinator. 
and it was supposed to be Lyle Wheeler, who I call my chair daddy. Um, he's been super kind to me over the years. Um, uh, we're in the Southern Highland Craft Guild together, and um, he he was he just extremely kind and sent a lot of business our way, but also really talked to me about chairs and furniture and local history. But COVID, you know, so I was supposed to take the class with him in um, May of 2020. It got canceled, and then it got rescheduled for this past September. And it was I stacked it with chair nerds. It was Lyle teaching me and my husband Dave, and then there's a corn shuck weaver who is a super cool guy from Georgia. And then the curator of the North Carolina Museum of History, um, Michael Osborne, we were all in the class together and it was gonna be great. Michael broke his leg, um, Lyle got COVID and um, another COVID exposure for David Russell. So it was a completely different class than I anticipated, but Gabe is, he had just moved out from Washington and it was all hand tools. It was started with a log on Monday morning and hacked away at it, got blisters pretty much every single <laughs> base of every finger. Initially slammed the metal thing right on top of my hand. Luckily I didn't break it, but it did swell up. I mean, like, I mean, not an hour into it. Persevered, um, you know, we split it down smaller and smaller and then we got on the shave horse and then shaved, shaved, shaved just for like three days. And it's still like the whole time I was like, this is amazing. This is great. But I was just like, please let it come together. Please yeah. let it come together. <laughs> like, and, it, and it really wasn't until it was together that I was like, oh my God, it actually came together. It worked. And I almost cried. I'm almost going to cry now. It's, it was so cool that it actually came together. And um, yeah, I can't imagine doing it for a business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially that method, right? Like of yeah. making it all uh, with hand tools. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have, I mean, I have made like bar stools, but yeah, I always like outsource the hard part, the base mm -hmm. to, you know, I buy a metal base and then I, I'll carve oh. the seat for it. So I haven't made an actual chair yet. I'm, it was on my list for this year. Didn't make it, but next year, um, I'm going to be power carving my first chair from cool. a large wall, uh, large walnut log, but um, it's going to be crazy, and it it still has me absolutely terrified. Like, I, tell me about power carving. Um, I power carve with uh, angle grinders predominantly, uh -huh. um, and then like smaller rotary tools and stuff. Uh, this one. For the chair, I'll probably also bring in the, the chainsaw bit just to get rid of the larger wow. pieces of, of material, you know, before I start refining. But yeah, it's um, cool. It's going to be it's going to be a trip. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. yeah. So a chair, not a stool. A chair, not a stool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey. I mean, I've made I've done I've power carved, you know, I've power carved what I call like sculpted tables um out of logs and my kids always yeah, turn seen them those. into stools you know they yeah. always turn up they're they always and they like to tease me they're like mom it's not a table it's a stool um yeah you know but I do love those I've, yeah that's what I like the most <laughs> about what I've seen of your work yeah um so I've always done that which obviously it takes a lot of work but it's still I feel like it's still forgiving right like there's still a way of like, once you get it level, like you're pretty good. 
Um, whereas with the chair, and I'm kind of doing like a, a lounge chair design. Um, mm. um, cool. So log that, like this. Yeah, it's going to be actually going to be kind of like at an angle. So like the yeah the top of the log will be kind of like that um but yeah it's it's like once once I get it to the right angle but then I have all of the seat in the back and making sure that that ends up like at a decent and comfortable angle so that it makes sense for somebody to actually sit in it um, yeah. you know so pretty scared about it but excited because it will be something new um and something that, you know, I plan to take my time with it. I'll just say that, like, I don't plan on rushing through it because I'll probably want to stop and think on several occasions on that one. How much do you think that thing's going to weigh? I, ha I mean, I have plans of taking out, like, material underneath and stuff like that, just like I did with the last uh, table I made. So that it's not crazy. <laughs> insane. But it's still probably going to be. My guess is it will still probably be at least 75 pounds. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. I can't wait yeah. to see it. Yeah. Have you seen the chair orchard people? I have not. Um, <laughs> so there, there's a guy in Austria. And, oh, the ones who and, like grow it and like. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then my friends in England, full grown. Um, and they're, they're super cool people. They started out doing chairs upright. So like growing the legs first yeah. and then as it got smaller at the top doing the back but they've discovered that it's better now to to grow it upside it down okay and and then so they when they turn it upside down though it's like all the leaves are flowing down like a willow and then the yeah. chair is just like way up high and yeah it's very dramatic um <laughs> But really cool. So that's a kind of a work in progress for them. I think they're maybe a little over 10 or 12 years doing it and um, yeah, just getting some great exposure. They just won some Louis Vuitton thing <laughs> and they go to all these very glamorous things in Milan. And yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I cool. first saw, I don't know which one I saw first, but I first saw it on, I think it was like a thing that came across my Facebook feed years ago mm -hmm. and I was like super intrigued I mm -hmm. like I definitely felt I was like that's pretty incredible and I'm like and that's really playing the long game right I mean yes trees don't yeah, grow but, fast <laughs> but that's their thing is you can have a tree and I mean a chair in seven years but otherwise you have you know 40 or 50 years before the tree gets big enough to cut it down and then you use all these resources yeah, that involve yeah oil and machinery mm -hmm. and um, all of that so I think it's an interesting um, premise and I can't wait to see where they go next they're already in the v &A and the um, all kinds of glorious museums oh yeah in Europe <laughs> yeah I'm really excited about your lounge chair I have a thing for deck chairs um, so the old wooden ones yes. you know yeah I mean the the idea too like I've, I've had this idea for a chair uh, percolating for a really long time and it it's changed just over the last year and a half to being like at the angle and the lounge chair design um I have some others that I do plan to do where it will be more like the stools where it will be like upright and then carve the seat out mm -hmm. um <clears throat> but you have to get pretty big 
logs like yes. in order to make that work and um I happened to have some because we had an ash tree that we had cut down from our front yard and I'll say the logs are big enough that when they were laying on their side in the garage they were as tall as my Prius so mm, they're big. pretty big <laughs> <laughs> they're big um so those will become where it's like the you know kind of standing up uh chair but yeah I always like I I get fascinated online with like the natural log chairs and like the big furs that they'll put on them to be like you know something to cozy up in it's just I don't yes. know something about that it just feels I don't know more like more natural you know it just feels like mm -hmm. something I don't know fantastical about it I guess hey makers so today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdahl, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at Alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. Or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. And fun fact, uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, basilblue.com. All right, let's get back into the action. Yeah. yeah. You're going to study some Windsor chair seat stuff to figure out that, that comfort. I might, I mean, what I did with what I always have done with my bar stools, this is literally what I do is I'll carve. I'll be like, I think that's, a decent, you know, shape. And then I sit in it and then I'll mm. just sit there and be like, no, you know, I kind of feel like where I need to do more work or what needs to be a little bit more shaped. And that's how I've done those. Um, so, I mean, like, I really want to take what I really want to take as a chair class with Laura Mays is really what I want to take. Um, nice. So many chair classes I want to take <laughs> so many types of chairs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm I, I want to make a Windsor um are you gonna take wanna, Aspen's class then I'd like to at some point there's a lot of Windsor chair makers that I've buddied up with lately that um that I want to take classes with <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so many so many there's a guy in Tasmania um he stopped in the shop one day and we were just working away do 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 turn around ah there's a in the shop <laughs> And, and he had a Windsor chair and we're like, Hey, cool. And he goes, Oh yeah. I follow you on Instagram. And then I said, Oh, cool. Where are you from? Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and that's such a rush. Um, that's something that we're kind of struggling with right now. It's pandemic and we have really expensive rent. I mean, we have pretty good rent yeah. for our space. Um, but it's, it's that, that balance of being in the public and then getting work done yes. um, versus this you know, I mean, this guy would have probably found this anyway, because he follows us on Instagram, but 
we made some incredible people just randomly. And mm-hmm. um, one day I was getting ready. I was leaving. I was going to Scotland and, and then this Scottish guy walks in and he's teaching a chair class at Penland. And that was completely random. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, um, anyway, Windsor chair makers, we've met a lot of interesting chair makers, you know, randomly, but a lot through Instagram and, um, I know Instagram has a, a lot of people have a love hate relationship with it, but I found the chair nerd community on Instagram to be just extremely welcoming and, and yeah. fabulous. And, um, I've learned a lot and been inspired a lot through a lot of people. Yeah. Um, As- and Aspen's, I like, I like the little Windsor chair she's doing. I think it's contemporary and cute. And, and I really love the elegance of the really fine, old style Windsors. I mean, some of those, those bent mm-hmm. back posts are the size of your finger right. <laughs> and then you're drilling holes into them. Right. <laughs> Lots of holes in right. some cases. And, and I just think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to, that's just like personal growth stuff. I don't know that, that, that could, that that's the Avenue we want to move into. Um, but yeah, the Windsors. Yeah, I was going to say you got, you did your first, made your first chair. It sounds like maybe you got got a bug of uh getting into the the full fabrication of the chair yeah um you were talking with some folks recently or, or a little bit ago they were out in washington i think and um and they were talking about how expensive it is to have all the equipment yeah and so i don't see that as as an avenue for us necessarily although we did get an offer for a free lathe um <laughs> we might it's too hard to pass up but <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, I would, and I would like to play with it. Um, you know, that how to make a chair from a tree, Jenny Alexander book. Um, it really does like, once you've taken the class, it really makes sense. And it's, it seems very doable. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of rigs, Gabe made up all these rigs that she had come up with. And, um, and so we got to take those home as part of the class. So we do want to make more of them, but it would just be more, more for us kind of a, yeah the satisfaction of making kind of thing. Right. Um, that's kind of the problem with doing craft as a business is sometimes it sucks all the joy out of it <laughs> <laughs> and, and you end up doing all the admin work and all that stuff. And you like, sometimes we get stressed and we're just like, I just want to work on a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, sometimes totally. the chairs don't behave and you're like, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, um, with the with the caning and you talked about like predominantly focused on teaching yes so you said that kind of started right from the beginning Um, yeah that's the direction we want to go in it's really physically demanding work um and a lot of chair caners quit because of burnout because of physical injuries recurring injuries and that's common if you're a potter or if you work Mm -hmm. on the computer all day you know um but we between my husband and I we've probably done about seven thousand chairs and (laughs) and some of them take a week to weave and some of them take more and even if they just take two days then you're still just like pulling on the rush turning the chair over you know leaning over pulling Mm -hmm. tight and it just mostly up in here our shoulders and neck we've just I mean we started spending a lot of money for massage and PT and at the chiropractor, like I'm really good friends with my chiropractor now <laughs> after about 10 years. Um, 
So it is physically demanding work. Um, we do like to encourage people to take it up as a hobby or a business, but the ergonomics of it and the um, the focus on taking care of you versus plowing through the chair um, is something that we try to hammer into our students pretty regularly, multiple yeah. times a day during class. Um, so we love the weaving. It is great and satisfying. There's you know, certain chairs that I could, I could never do again and be happy, but then I wouldn't not want to work on chairs. You know, there's some really, I still really love the hand-woven chair caning. Mm -hmm. It's still really gratifying to finish off a set of pressed cane chairs because production work, you're done. Yeah. Um, Danish cord chairs, you know, just the, the sexier the frame, the, <laughs> the, the more fun it is, but sometimes it's, it's a lot of pulling, you know, there's mm -hmm. the split rail Danish where it goes in a figure eight around oh, the seat yeah. base. I mean, it's pull, 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 and wrap, and pull, 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 and tighten, pull, 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 pull. So it does get, you know, mm -hmm. it's um, mesmerizing work and it's very methodical and we used to tell people that we have the unique problem going crap. Is it already five o'clock? Right. <laughs> is it already Friday? But, and it, it, it is fun to get into that through a podcast or um, book on like mm -hmm. an audio book or whatever, even sometimes occasionally some Netflix, but, um, and the day just flies away. So sometimes you want the day to still be there though. <laughs> <laughs> We really enjoy the teaching. We we found it really gratifying, you know, like that look on people's face when mm -hmm. they finish and they're like, oh, and then we're like, you should sit in it. No, you have to sit in it. <laughs> or sometimes it's in their family and they yeah. didn't get to learn from their grandfather or their mother or whatever. And now they're like, oh, look, and they sit down in it and they're like, look at me, granddad. And and you know, that's just oh, just oh. Yeah. so so gratifying. <laughs> Um, but it's also fun. A lot of our students have started businesses. I think we've started about 30 small businesses um, out of this little shop. And, and that's great. And it's mm -hmm. fun to see people, I mean, not only like doing really good work on chairs, <laughs> right. but enjoying themselves and being able to work from home or, you know, just changing their career somewhat. And, mm -hmm. um, so we really love the teaching. And lately, the online teaching has been kind of fun <laughs> we um we started doing youtube videos really just as drafts for mm -hmm. um an online school we're eventually making mm -hmm. we had no experience with the video <laughs> no experience with audio mm -hmm. um you know we we've been doing public demonstrations enough that we figured that part wasn't a problem um but the youtube videos we just uploaded them and all of a sudden we're making money on youtube after a year and we get really nice messages from people all over the world. And, you know, we have to use Google Translate a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really bizarre. Um, we actually came into work one day and there was a call from somebody in Israel. And it says, hello, I've been watching your YouTube and I just want to say fantastic job. Keep up good work. And we're like, holy crap, that just happened. Um, but it's really fun. We get, we get people that say, you know, thank you. You've changed our practice. We used to do bark chairs and it was so much work and my shoulders were hurting and now I'm just sold on shaker tape and that's all we're doing. So yeah, I love, I love the teaching. I'd like to find a nice balance of teaching and working on an occasional chair here or there. Mm -hmm. The demand for restorations is super high. So if anybody wants to say chair cleaning business, <laughs> go for it because you will be inundated with work. Just yeah. be kind to your body. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, do you end up like, I, I used to volunteer at um, uh, uh, 
sanctuary for um cats for like you oh. know, sick and injured and like oh. ones that had like feline leukemia like they weren't mm-hmm. gonna like kill the cats right so any cat was like welcome there um but then they found themselves the problem where they'd like show up at the sanctuary and there's like 20 cats outside yes. the door you know because yep. people just start like bringing by the cats and so do you end up like showing up and there's like oh, yeah we do actually that does happen um it's funny that you mentioned that it we call it the chair orphanage and it's a pile of chairs in the back it's actually very neatly stacked my husband is an excellent (laughs) like tetra chair tetris guy but um but we've shown up with chairs outside the door and you know ornamental chairs a nice set of mid-century chairs that was covered in mold um and and sometimes some really crappy chairs. Um, we occasionally will have a chair fire and sacrifice to the chair gods because um, the chair is just too far gone. We try to save whatever we can, but sometimes it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we we find ourselves being this service for people who are attached to their chairs or it was their dad was a chair caner. And he died and they, he has all these chairs and some of them he finished and some of them he didn't, but they just want it to go to the right person. And, you know, chairs are big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a storage issue. Um, so sometimes people, you know, we have to turn people away and they get offended. But sometimes, um, sometimes people just don't realize and they're like, cool, I got all these chairs. It's going to be great. And we're like, all right. So are they, we have some parameters. Like we can't do pickup and delivery. We're just too busy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to, you have to bring yeah. in. Secondly, how dirty is it? I mean, they're barn chairs and like, I mean, they need to come in clean. You can't bring mold into a furniture shop. <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right. Well, thanks anyway. Bye. You know? and, um, but we did have one lady drop off a trailer full of chairs and she sent somebody else to do it. We didn't know they were coming. We were out of town. We had a 75 year old volunteer working and this woman brought a trailer full of chairs. They were, some of them were in buckets. Um, most of them were, most of them we burned, honestly, but they are pretty when they burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's true. That's funny. The cat sanctuary. And just, <laughs> that, that could be the our chair new, sanctuary. Our, our new, yeah, the chair sanctuary. <laughs> sometimes we get good chairs though. Sometimes they're very unique or just, you know, just fantastically um, uh, handmade. Mm-hmm. Um, or fantastically used, you know, the patina on the armrest is just perfect. And the mm-hmm. chair rung has been carved out from decades of somebody sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, what's fun about chairs too. It's like the whole humanity of it and the stories like we've had people, okay, the dog chewed it up, but try to leave the teeth marks. Okay. This was a really good dog. So you can yeah. leave the chair, <laughs> but, but don't mess with the wood. We want the teeth marks to remain. Do you, so when you like, when that happens, do you end up like, does it get, if you're able to save it, do you add it to the collection in the museum or are you like? It depends. Um, Most of the chairs that come in are customer chairs. We're going to fix them. They're going to go home. Um, Sometimes people bring them in and usually we don't take anything that needs a ton of work because we just don't have the time to work on it for free. Um, you know, it just takes such a long time to, I mean, structurally the finishing, which we don't like to do. 
Um, and then the weaving as well. So sometimes it could be weeks of work to get the chair, some chairs back in order. So yeah, we do have a, a lovely little museum. Some of them we inherited, some of them we purchased, um, some of them people have donated. Um, and then a lot of them sit in the chair orphanage and they wait for a student. We get students from all over the country and sometimes from Canada, which is really fun. And and they don't want to fly with chairs. You need five chairs for our basic um, boot camp series, which is five basic styles of weaving. So we provide the chairs and, you know, we try to fix them up as cheaply as possible and 20 bucks here. Here's your chair. Um, and if it's in good shape, we'll just give it to somebody. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have to do any work. Yeah, so we usually, and it's fun because sometimes people will leave their email, the people that donate the chair. And then when the student finishes it, sometimes it's like two years later, um, they email a picture to the person that donated it so they can see that, you know, dad's chair went and right. finally got fixed. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have to, I'm going to ask for forgiveness of my ignorance a bit, but what is all the <laughs> different materials that you weave with? There are so many different materials. Um, basically, they're chairs, woven chairs are lumped into two categories in most people's mind, cane chairs and wicker chairs. That's what they call everything. Um, but those are actually very specific terms. So caning is uh, with the rattan palm, it's that traditional octagonal style of weaving or octagonal holes in the chairs. Um, that's a rattan palm and that's for pressed caning and lace caning. So holes drilled into the seat frame and woven through strand by strand, basically in a six way pattern, but there are other patterns available. Pressed caning, um, still an antique in its own right, but that's the kind with the groove around the edge. It's more like an installation. So you're hammering the, the pre-woven sheet of rattan into the cane chair and cutting off the excess and inserting a spline. It's held in place with uh, glue and with the physical smushing of, of the spline into um, the groove. Then there is, I'll turn on my chair wall here. <laughs> then there's shaker tape, which is cotton strappings invented by um, the shakers in the early 18, like in the, around the 1820s and 1840s. Um, shaker furniture became really popular a little later and they, um, but that cotton strapping is, is what we like to use the most. You know, it's, it's not only is it quick victory, but there's infinite pattern and color mm -hmm. combinations. There's no mess. Um, and it's just, it's just fun. Um, splint reed is kind of the mechanical, uh, the manufactured version of um, hickory bark or ash or oak mm -hmm. splints. And um, and that's that's kind of a quick victory too. We we suggest if you're trying to do this on your own to go with shaker tape or splint as your first chair project or press cane. Um, those are kind of the best. No nonsense. There's there's some trickiness in the herringbone pattern or the twill pattern, but you make a mistake on every chair anyway. So right. just just go for it. <laughs> just get the chair and weave it. Um, the lace caning handwoven chair caning that's the one that you really kind of need some help with and I screwed up three years of chairs before I had somebody come up to me in public and go you're doing it wrong <laughs> I was like, what? she's like come to my house I'll show you what to do um and then let's see then there is the actual bark uh hickory bark and that's really hard to come by these days it's mm -hmm. super labor intensive to manufacture usually you're out in the woods cutting down trees um, peeling off the bark and then you're shaving the bark down into strips and 
Um, and the, the weaving process is similar to the warp weft, similar to the splint and the shaker tape, um, but it's gorgeous. And there's really nothing, nothing. I mean, it's just gorgeous, <laughs> um, but it's so hard to come by. I only know two people doing it. Now I only know one person doing it. And actually that's, that's not true. I know somebody else doing it, but he does it for his own chairs, which is totally legit, but I only know one person selling it. Um, then there's Danish cord or seagrass. Um, we're getting into cords now. Danish cord and seagrass are both twisted, multi-ply, twist mm -hmm. like rope. Um, seagrass is is kind of one of the older, um, and seagrass as far as it, it doesn't grow by the sea, it grows in a field, but it looks like the sea when the yeah. wind blows on it. Um, Danish cord is a uh, two or three ply, forget, um, paper, waxed paper, mm -hmm. and um, beautiful, love weaving with it. Um, that's one of the few Danish chairs for the most part <laughs> um, are one of the few chairs where the weaver was considered as well as the ergonomics and the overall natural beauty of the chair. A lot of these woven chairs, you're like, they certainly didn't consider the weaver in this process. <laughs> Why would they do it like this? Come on. Right. Um, Paper Rush is a manufactured version of like a twisted grass material. Um, came about in the early 1900s and it was um, technically it was made to substitute wicker which is something else that I'll get to um, the rattan has been a globally traded commodity for hundreds and hundreds of years mm -hmm. so there have been embargoes on it from time to time um, it's actually kind of a corrupt industry and once you learn this you can't unlearn it but um, but there was a, a manufacturer a company called Lloyd Loom and they um, they needed this wicker fabric so they invented the or marshall lloyd that's right i have to look it up um they invented the paper rush cord to to mimic the round wicker reeds um and then there's grasses bull rush cattail rush and that's a lot of english chair weavers use it even though it grows all over the united states that's another one that's super labor intensive to harvest and then you have to spin it around for lay in the sun make sure it's not getting rot or bugs and then you have to store it in a barn it's air i mean it's just really um yeah you can do it all you know so there right. are people that specialize in that and they harvest it and they keep it for their own use for the most part and i totally respect that <laughs> um, but it, it, it's hard to come by now i mean it is really hard to come by well it makes and you have to like why they even create that process like well i mean that was what was on hand back in the day you know like that was somebody was doing that by the nile yeah thousands of years ago um but as far as a business goes like that's that's where it gets different you know if you're if you're like hanging out by the nile you're or you know along some river in england there i mean there's these people go out on boats and they're in waders up to their thighs and these yeah cutting down things that it's really beautiful. Um, I really like working with authentic rush, but it's, it does cut your hands. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's fun because you have to, it's not just like you take the grass and you wave it, you know, you have to soak it. And then you have to either take a knife down the whole length mm -hmm. of the blade of grass and you hear it go snap, 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 all the cell walls breaking. Yeah. Um, or the better way to do it, if you're doing a lot of work is, is putting it through a laundry crank and then um. you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is pretty. I do like doing it. I wish I had time to harvest it and do all that storing and, and things, but I just don't. Um, 
Yeah. The funny thing is like the, the more manufactured it is, the less I like working with it, like the paper rush um, and the splint read, just quality control issues and um, paper rush. You just, we've done so many of them over the years. It's like, oh no, not another paper <laughs> rush chair. At this point, if it's not, we, we don't like to change up chairs too much. You know, like if it was designed to have this particular seat, then we right. want to put that particular seat back in it. But most of the post and rung chairs that have rush on them, you're not going to go to chair hell for putting shaker tape on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish that I had the time and to do the bark manufacturing because it's just so much nicer mm -hmm. than the splint reed. Um, yeah. And then that's not even the, that tip of the iceberg right. there. I mean, there's like rag chairs and yeah. pillow and um, so many other types of chairs. <laughs> that's what's so crazy about it. Well, I was going to ask just because, I mean, this is my own personal, um, you know, curiosity and something that I want to do at some point, which is like um, using leather to weave a seat. Mm, um, yeah. So I didn't done some leather get into the like the fabrics and the um, that kind of stuff ever. Yeah, so leather is cool. We've done leather cord on a rush chair, um, and it's beautiful, expensive, but I think it was three hundred fifty dollars just for the materials for this oh, one I, chair. I do not doubt that. And then there's some really old traditional like hide chairs where it's stretched over for a uh, post and rung. So it's stretched over the chairs wrapped around the front and back posts and kind of like a, um, like a corset yep. stringing underneath. And that's really cool. Um, and then there, this woman here in Black Mountain, she does um, drum chairs and I'm just going to tease y'all with it. Y'all have to come to the shop and see these <laughs> drum chairs. She's a djembe drum she fixes djembe drums and so it is a piece of leather um kind of an, a weird shape you know just imagine an amoeba or something like that and then holes punched around the perimeter of the leather and then a stitching around this the rungs of the seat and then zigzagging mm. some um some what is it called uh, thong she calls it thong um and she cuts her own thong too zigzagging it into the stitches around the perimeter of the seat and the the piece of leather so then it's kind of like stretching it like it would be a djembe drum really cool really strong um and oh and the rawhide chairs too that's a very traditional type of leather weaving it's super gooey and gross um slimy um i've only done two one um and and it's beautiful it's it, it really is beautiful that's a lot of, like there's a taft furniture company um a lot of upper peninsula michigan mm -hmm. and um vermont canada you see some snowshoe chairs they call yeah, yeah. yeah I actually, and then we've done leather straps yeah woven yeah. warp weft yeah i uh picked up there's a like i guess you would call it an antique store yeah I guess you'd call it an antique store um, in my local area that gets all kinds of just really cool and interesting stuff. You know, I've gotten several like really cool wooden crates there and stuff, but they also take in like fabrics and stuff like that, that mm. people bring in. And so I went in one day and they had so many um, like deer, deer skin, um, 
uh, you know, what you call it? Helps. Yeah. Um, I not not with the not with the obviously not with the deer skin still on. Yeah. So it's like the the leather. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I could not pass it up. So I think I bought like four of them because <laughs> nice. I was like, yeah, you know, I I do I. Uh, just for fun I mess around with leather I haven't really integrated it into my furniture yet but mm-hmm. that's what I would love to do so yeah, yeah I forgot about the stretched hide um seats I could totally see using those deer skins for something like are that. they soft or are they hard they're soft okay <laughs> yep yeah they're super super soft um I mean basically it's like besides doing something like that like moccasins is probably what you would make out of them like mm, that cool. kind of material yeah that sounds like the drum chairs the softer yeah. Um, yeah. hide and yeah the there's also a really interesting type of chair called rimpies and it's specific to south africa like this is how far down the chair rabbit hole you go <laughs> it's like south africa has their own type of woven chair mm-hmm. and it has holes around the perimeter like lace caning um, but it's cowhide and it's aluminum oxide leather. So it's white and it's squared and it's just a crisscross mm-hmm. um, and it's tacked underneath, but it's, um, uh, it's Cape, Cape Dutch furniture and it's used, it's stink wood. You know, like I love learning all this stuff. The Tasmanian guy, when he was yeah. in here, he was telling us about all these different woods he used that were native to Tasmania that mm-hmm. I never heard before for his Windsor chairs. Um so yeah, the leather, the leather's fun. I should hook you up with this woman in Black Mountain. Um, it's it's really cool. She does crazy stuff. Um, but she just she's made several chairs. They're surprisingly strong and artistic. And they're the, the, the drum chair is the most commented on chair in our museum. We've got a Hunzinger, we've got Danish chairs, we've got all kinds of really great chairs. We've got historical Western North Carolina legend chairs, we've got Bentwoods, but this drum chair that she made is hands down the most commented upon chair well i mean so that's the the only i i took a um i I made a leather bag i took a leather class in um the north house folk school which is north shore uh, yeah minnesota and um that's where i really learned like you know the the woman who was teaching the class like she owns her own like shop in Duluth and she makes like bags and shoes and all kinds of things out of leather but she said she had worked she'd collaborated with the brew uh, one of the local breweries in town and done like a whole series of chairs with the leather weave Um, but she said she said that the only downfall was like even after the first year like she had to bring the chairs back in and like tighten it um, mm-hmm. you know, just because from people sitting in it and stuff and it kind of relaxing over time. So that kind of is the only thing that's ever made me like pause of like, what's the life of like the seats? Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. 
So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. You know, so there, that's the thing that, um, that with chair, okay, well, the, the, yeah. the, there's no short answer um, because each material has its right, own properties. Right. right. Um, and the quality of the weaver is another factor in that mm-hmm. weather, sunlight, are you mm-hmm. sitting next to a heat vent? There's so many factors. Um, but the cool thing about seat weaving is that you have the chair frame and it's it lasts longer than we do. Mm-hmm. And it's older than we are when we get it and it'll be here another hundred years after we're gone. It just needs a new seat. So I feel like inherently like woven seats are, um, are, are meant to, to be restored eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, leather seats, it just depends on how thick the leather is, that right. kind of thing. Most chairs, the, the longest lasting seat is actually corn shuck, twisted mm-hmm. corn shucks, um, which is such a cool, I, I'm, I'm enamored by it. I've only done minimal work with cord chuck weaving. Um, that's another thing that it's plentiful, you know, it's everywhere, right. but it's specific field corn. It can't be harvested by machine. Um, you know, like red field corn has these beautiful like peppermint candy stripes on it. And, um, and you just need a ton of it. You need trash bags and trash right. bags full <laughs> to do one chair. Um, so that's actually a hundred year seat that lasts huh. the longest and hickory bark is, is up there too. Paper rush lasts a long, long time. Um, and, and, uh, and lace cane, I mean, lace cane can last lace cane and shaker tape. All of those are in the, the tens of, of years, you know, mm-hmm. there's also the, the sitter, like it's better to sit on the edge of the chair. But when you do that, your sit bones are going into the front part of the weave and putting pressure right there along yeah. that front edge. So woven chairs are meant to be sat in fully distributed weight. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then if you have a wallet in your pocket, then that's going to affect it. Um, so if the sharpened, if you're weaving across a flat edge of the seat, did you take the edge off the inside? Because if you didn't, you have that 90 degree sharp knife edge that's going to cut into your woven material, whether it's leather or or splint or shaker tape or whatever it's going to mm-hmm. snap over time so so what you're telling me is if i were to get a woven seat chair what i really need to make sure is i have clear precise instructions on those who sit in it <laughs> Say, no well, wallets no <laughs> no and i'm just saying there's so many factors involved like what everybody everybody should weave chairs. Everybody should weave their own chairs. Like that's, we encourage everybody to weave their yeah. own chairs. I would much rather you weave your own chair than you pay me to do it. Um, <laughs> honestly, I mean, it, it, there's, cause it is gratifying. You're yeah. like, I fixed this. I mean, I fixed a lamp once. My dad had was an antique collector and um, I had this lamp and it had a European wiring. And I went in one day and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just looked it up and I put in different wiring. And every time I go click, click on that lamp, I'm like, fix this lamp. It was so easy. <laughs> but, you know, it's that gratification yeah. of doing it yourself. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm doing more and more um, like small upholstery projects, that type of thing of like one day, I will be able to reupholster a couch. 
Oh, yeah. like, I have those you know. goals too. <laughs> I just did my first slip seat. Um, the Furniture Society did this upholstery class, Craft for a Greater mm -hmm. Good. Um, and it was like a super cheap $50 upholstery right. class. And um, so I just went to volunteer because I'm friends with those guys that did it, Annie and um, Ellie. Um, and I also kind of had ulterior motive of wanting to kind of learn. Um, <laughs> but I went and helped out. I kind of saw what was going on. And then I came back to the shop and I did it. And it looks good. It's actually funny because it's cane pattern material. So um, <laughs> cane pattern material, but upholstery. And yes. and I look at, I have this chair. It's so ugly. It's like that burlap plaid nastiness from the seventies and eighties. But my dad, it was at my dad's house when I was a little kid. And now it's my dog's chair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but it's actually really comfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just looks really terrible. Yes. So I look at that and I'm like, Rosie would kill me if I got rid of her chair. <laughs> but it really needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, um, you know, kind of as you were talking about the, maybe the scarcity of some of the traditional um, materials used for, you know, your craft. And then now we've, we're talking about upholstery, but it's had me thinking lately just with the way, um, you know, things that we, as craftspeople are actually going to need to figure out how to change in order to meet, you know, climate crisis needs. Like, oh yeah, like, I mean, there's there's nothing better than rattan for chair caning. They make synthetics; it's just not great. Um, <laughs> but there's so much corruption in that industry. There's like illegal deforestation, mm -hmm. illegal harvesting in national park lands. Um, indentured servitude. Um, the risks of harvesting include bee stings and snake bites, and hypothermia and uh, tiger bites. I mean, like this is all ridiculous. Right. There's a, a, actually, I pulled a bunch of stuff so I can show you uh, <laughs> the nature and culture of rattan. Uh -huh. And once you read it, you can't unlearn it. And so, yeah, it is a thing. Like, what do we do when, what do we do when there's an embargo or you know, there's a tariff attached to it. It makes your prices double. Um, with Britain, I just don't know. With, I think, you know, I hate to say leather is sustainable because some people right, right. might not agree with the ethics right. of leather. Um, cotton strapping, yeah, but then you're in cotton. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, the more you, the more you do yourself, like if, if I made the chair, man, you, you know, like spun the wool, and right. then wove the wool into straps. I mean, it'd be a $20,000 chair right. by the time it would take years and years. Yeah. So that is a, an interesting question. Um, we had an intern once that did, she got a bunch of t-shirts and yeah. made yarn out of it and did a rush pattern. Um, it was interesting and it was cool. I don't know that it would, again, it's like that the more you yeah. manufacture everything yourself, the longer it takes. Yeah. Um, it was a prototype, so I don't know if she's done any more, but, um, you know, we, there's issues to work out with comfort and whatnot with chairs. It's as far as the restoration process goes, most people want it to look exactly like it did. Right. Very rarely can you be like, Ooh, maybe you should do this <laughs> a different pattern. Um, right. Well, that's one thing we started doing recently is, um, we bought this braiding machine. And so it's 13 carousels on this industrial revolution, super heavy metal mm -hmm. thing. 
Um, and you spin or you buy the yarn and then you load the bobbins, put the 13 bobbins on and it goes, spins around and it feeds up this braided cotton cord. Um, it's about almost a half inch, three eighths inch when it comes out of the machine. But then when you pull it tight, it's about a quarter inch. So you can do even more intricate patterns than you can with shaker tape. The smallest of shaker tape is five eighths. So um, Dave did a, a fantastic Greek key pattern and, and I did a kind of a log cabin, like a quilt log cabin pattern with graded colors. So you can, you know, shaker tape colors are kind of old school. There's some burgundies and some mm -hmm. forest greens and, um, there's not like a really lovely gray or, um, right. you know, there's nothing that the colors haven't been updated in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, so with this cord braider, we've been doing really fun stuff. I'm trying, the next one I'm going to do is going to be a tartan. So I've did different grades of blues and whites and greens and blacks to, to kind of try to make that tartan happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, I mean, probably not with like the, obviously not with the grasses and the canes and stuff, but like, is there, is there potential for reuse or recycling? Um, it depends on the material. Um, shaker tape, old shaker tape can be taken off and washed and put back on. Um, and you can even like, if it's faded in the sun, just use a reverse side. Hey, there you go. Um, rattan, it's usually dry rotted to the point, you know, it's yeah. 80 years old. It's right. brittle. Um, there's no re-soaking it going back to it. Same thing with the grasses, um, even the paper rush it, you know, at this point it's 60 years old, it's dry rotted. Um, there's not much reusing it. You could probably reuse Danish cord for some other purpose, like a basket mm -hmm. weaving or something like that. But, um, and you can repurpose it, like even the brittle cane, you can repurpose it for art. Um, and there's so much cane pattern out there right now, lampshades and cabinet fronts, stuff like that. So if you're not using it for a seat, you can use it for an art project. There's a woman in Virginia, Ashley Souter Miller, that um, did these just years and years of paintings, uh, mixed media with chairs, and they're really good. You should check her out on Instagram. Right now she's in a floral um, thing, but her chairs were just fantastic. And so she would sometimes take her old paintings and, and cut them into strips and weave the seats with her old paintings. Oh. Or she used the actual um, broken piece of a chair and, and put it on the painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not much reusing as far as if you're going to be weight bearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except for shaker tape. Yep. Yeah, that's the, I mean, to some degree, the, you have the benefit, like you said, of if, if the chair is still good, you just need to fix the seat. Yeah. Um, you're still saving that piece from, mm -hmm. you know, ending up in a landfill or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Which I think I've shared on the podcast before, but, you know, still somewhat recently to me, I learned about the carbon cycle of the full carbon cycle of wood so trees they take in all this carbon right and it stays in their fibers until that material decays um, and so the longer you can keep wooden furniture in use the longer you're maintaining keeping that carbon out of interesting like 
being put back into the atmosphere. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just in that, just in the fixing of, you know, the seats, people are already doing a good thing of not, uh, you know, discarding that or. Yeah. And in the furniture industry, it's kind of bizarre. I went to a company and it was massive. I mean, you had to take golf carts to get from one end to the other. And it was an American company, but it was mostly made in Taiwan mm-hmm. and imported. It was a ton of rattan. It was really cool. But all of it overseas in Asia comes over here. It gets finished. And then it goes back out to Japan and Russia, they said, were their main clients. Mm-hmm. And and that just seems weird. It's like when you go to Earth Fair and you get that apple from New Zealand. And you're like, right. <laughs> it's just so weird. Just so weird. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I have an old car. I have a VW van from 2005 and, um, and I feel bad because it spits out some, some exhaust and I keep trying to get the mechanic to fix it. Yes. He's like, Oh, there's just nothing you can do at this point. I'm like, really? You just feel like a bad citizen. And then I talked to somebody else and he was like, yeah, but you're not buying a new car and putting all that into it. Right. Like, I guess you're right. Yes. (laughs) Besides I need the van for the chairs. It holds a lot of chairs. Yes. so many chairs yes that's why I have a soccer mom van and I am quite happy with the amount of lumber that I can haul (laughs) funny yes (laughs) you got Cheerios and wood chips all over the place (laughs) well I did the last time I went to a sawmill I pull up in my minivan and they're like you want to put this in that and I'm like yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do want to put that in that (laughs) kids climb on top of those slabs exactly They were all worried about it. I'm like, you have no idea. I have literally had this thing stacked from side to side, floor to ceiling with Mm -hmm. lumber. (laughs) So this thing can take it. Yeah. Do you know Robert Rising, the Conversations Black Lumberjack? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We started, we were, we went to New England this summer for a conference and we stopped in to check on him and went to the slab yard out there and he's doing really cool, cool stuff, saving beams from old houses and the Bronx and Coney Island pier stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I just can't imagine like the, the work hauling all these heavy pieces and yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's my other, my, besides the, the antique place where I find different materials to use, I also go to it's called the salvage barn where they they take down um since i'm in iowa a lot of the places they take down are old farmhouses and barns and stuff like that you know they're about to be destroyed so they go um and salvage whatever they can that's not like totally just like with the chairs that's not like dry rotted or you know whatever Mm -hmm. um so I frequent there as well um you need to go to a couple places (laughs) for me um Actually, there's three places you need to go. One of them, there's the largest Kennedy rocker. And I don't know where it is. I'll have to ask my friend. Um, but it's a massive, you know, the Kennedy rockers have cane seat and back. And then they have these gooseneck. It's technically a Grecian rocker. Okay. Um, that's in Iowa. And then I hear the John Deere factory has some really cool chairs in their um, cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's this woman that's a chair caner in uh, the Amana colonies. Yes, and, that's, that's and about 20 great. minutes away from me. 
Oh, cool. You have to go see her, Maria Valentine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she can tell you where the giant chair is. I think it's for sale right now. She's like, you gotta get it. I was like, I know. I need a, I need a grant for $8,000 so I can get the world's largest Lincoln rocker. <laughs> can you imagine driving it to Asheville? <laughs> no. Oh, it'd be glorious. <laughs> in your vw uh, van yeah yeah it might be too big <laughs> no it might it might awkwardly strap around the side you, you probably go. have to get a trailer to take it yes. a horse trailer of some sort flatbed it would not be the weirdest thing i've seen driving down the highways of iowa <laughs> i will <Nice>. say that <laughs> nice yes uh well ready we're actually like at the end of our our time together um so i want to give you a chance to let people know like how they can find you guys and follow along with all the things you're doing cool thanks um so we're in Asheville, north carolina uh currently in the river arts district and you can find us at silverriverchairs.com you can also follow the silver river chairs channel on youtube or on instagram same handle um Silver River Center for Chair Caning on Facebook. And we're on Twitter as Go Chair Repair. Okay. Um, but Instagram and YouTube are kind of what we're recommending people look us up for these days. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks yes. for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, keep in touch when you get that lounge chair done. <laughs> or if you want some leather work assistance, um, anyway, keep in touch. There's yes. a lot of fun follow-ups from well, this conversation. I'm sure that chair is going to take over my Instagram once I start working on it because it, nice. it will be a long a long haul project for sure. I can't wait to see it. I can uh, see it in my mind right now actually but I'm interested <laughs> in how you're gonna how you see it. Yes. <laughs> okay so again that was Brandy Clements of the Silver River Center for Chair Caning. I'll include the links on how you can um, follow along with the center, see all the great things that they're up to, the classes that they're offering, um, the YouTube channel, all the good stuff. I'll include that in the description for today's episode. So where you can find that is just check the description box for the episode on your podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to Freeman Furnishings dot com forward slash podcast and you will find this episode as well as all the previous episodes again be sure to follow along with the podcast over on instagram at crafting a revolution reminder that uh this is the last episode for 2021 uh podcast people me <laughs> um, and Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, are taking a break for the rest of the year, enjoying our families, um, especially since we both will have kiddos at home. Um, so enjoying that time together and just kind of breathing and relaxing and living our real lives, not all on uh, social media. And I hope that you all get a chance to do the same as well. So with that, I hope you have a very happy holidays, whatever holidays you do or do not celebrate. I hope all of it is fantastic. And I hope you have a happy new year. I will see you or we will see you back with a brand new episode on Wednesday, January 5th. And in the meantime, let's go craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution of the